Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Hi, I'm Scott Hahn, and I'd like to invite you personally to join me and Breadbox Media on August 24th in New Oxford, Pennsylvania. For a day of spiritual renewal, I'll be presenting three talks, one on St. Joseph, one on the Sacrament of Matrimony, and another one on the Holy Eucharist. Learn more and register at breadboxmedia.com forward slash PA conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to Why Do Catholics, the podcast from Catholics about the Catholic faith and what we believe. I'm your host, Rachel Bryson. Joining me again, welcome back, Father Josh Cavender. Well, Father Cavender, welcome back. It's always a pleasure having you on Why Do Catholics. It is always good to be back. And uh, so I know we're continuing our discussion on the sacraments of the Catholic Church. And I know that, you know, today we're talking about um, a sacrament that most of the, our Catholics will never experience. We're talking about holy orders. Can you kind of explain like what holy orders is and, and who participates in that sacrament? Absolutely. And the sacrament of holy orders, there's this great mystery in, in Scripture where Christ goes and he calls 12 men. He walks around, so, you know, he goes off and prays and then you know, gets this direction from the Father and decides to call specifically these men to follow him in a very special way. Poor Peter sitting there uh, on the shore of Galilee with his brother, you know, business partners down the road, James and John, and then Christ just drops into the middle of their lives and says, come follow me. And what we see is that Christ calls these uh, certain men to be priests, to be, uh, you know, so, so what we see is in this development of holy orders, we end up with these three orders that we understand now, the three orders of holy orders. First, we have the deacons, those who have been called uh, to serve as deacons. We then have, you know, a little bit closer to uh, what what I do on a regular day, uh, we have the priests, uh, also uh, more technically called presbyters. And then we have, of course, the apostles themselves, the bishops, the episcopacy. So we have these three orders of holy orders. And just as Christ was this minister in a sense. He entered, uh, uh, minister gets used a lot today with kind of a different connotation, but in the sense that Christ entered into this public ministry for the sake of bringing people to the Father and bringing the Father to people. So he calls these specific men who there's a mystery of uh, who he chooses and why. You know, seen Isaiah, from the, you know, uh, from, from the womb I formed you and called you. The, the mystery of why Christ calls who he calls is, is even a mystery to me. I don't know, you know, uh, why did Christ specifically choose me to be a priest? That We'll have to get to heaven together and ask him when we get there. So he calls these specific men to help serve, to do his ministry in the world, mm-hmm. uh, to be that, that mediator with him between God and humanity. Gotcha. Now, the, the, um, the priest specifically... That, that go through the sacrament of, of holy orders. Could you talk to me a little bit about that process? And I know we were speaking, you know, a little before we started recording uh, that, uh, you know, priests don't, you know, ordain themselves and it's not a, an election process. There's no voting in a, a priest. So can you just address that? 
Absolutely. And, and some of the, the process of, you know, the specific hows from the moment of, of the calling to the moment of ordination and functioning as a priest has changed a little bit throughout the history of the church. For example, I went through six years of seminary at Mount St. Mary's. It was a wonderful six years of my life. And that is kind of reminiscent of this time where Christ took three years to intentionally form these men into being the men that he wanted them to be and to be able to serve as an image of himself in the world. But ultimately, it comes down to this discernment process between Christ's body, the church, and the individual. It's kind of like a dating relationship in a sense where both discern the other person. So after this time of formation, of discernment between both the church and the man who is called, the bishop will officially call that person, that man, to the order, to, to holy orders. So, you know, in seminary, we, we talk about the call letter. So you literally get, you know, how do you, how do you know you're supposed to be a deacon? Well, when the bishop finally writes you your letter and says, I call you to the order of, of the diaconate, that's how you know you're called to the diaconate. It's wonderful. Or to priesthood. And so the ordination itself, if you've never been to an ordination, they're really beautiful. To see these men prostrating themselves on the floor in the cathedral before the altar, symbolic of completely laying down their lives in service to Christ, in service to the church. As the entire church prays to all the saints, asking for intercession for this person, for this man. And then, after standing up, the bishop lays his hands on their head and then prays the consecration prayer over the the men to be ordained. And after that moment, that is the matter in the form of the sacrament right there. Your life is forever changed. You are a deacon for the rest of your life. You are a priest forever. It, like, like the sacrament of baptism, just like you can't unbecome a, a son of the Father, you can stop functioning as a priest, but you can never stop being a priest. From that moment forward, you become a priest of Jesus Christ now and forever to function as, uh, as, as his face in the world. Okay. And uh, now you were telling me, again, um, a little before we started recording, how, uh, you know, sometimes you you might hear a a question or a comment from an individual wanting to know, well, why do we even need priests? Why can't we just, you know, go right to Jesus? And uh, can you address that at all? Yes, absolutely. It's a very important question because uh, it's a good question. You're like, why, why can't I just have my relationship with Jesus Christ? Why, don't, why do I need all of this, you know, priest stuff? It's, it's, it's kind of almost a question, why do I need sacraments? And there's a couple levels to that question. The first is, let's leave, let's just take that as an assumption. Let's just say I go to Jesus directly. So let's assume that in order to do the ministry in the world, right? We talked in, in previous episodes about how the sacraments are really important. Like for confession, to actually hear the words of God saying, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. No, we say, I'm sorry. God says, I forgive you. That, that's a really important part to our relationship with God. So in order to fulfill that, Jesus would have to stay in the world. Like, so, so the question is like, you know, not just why can't I go directly to Jesus is kind of, you know, like, what? Like, why did he ascend back into heaven? So let's assume that he, what would be the difficulty of that? So let's assume Jesus didn't ascend into heaven. We would still go to Mass every Sunday. We'd still go to confession. But there's only Jesus. 
sometimes people complain about like Christmas and Easter masses being packed. Can you imagine every single Catholic on earth going to mass with Jesus every single Sunday? You know, it, it would get a little tight. You'd need a pretty big building to have several million Catholics, you know, 100 million Catholics there uh, to go to confession. That's such a powerful sacrament, but can you imagine waiting in a multi-million person line every single time you wanted to go? And if you didn't live where Jesus was, you'd have to, you know, you'd have amazing air points uh, for flying all over the place. But, uh, but it would make it really difficult to have Jesus just be in one place. How can he spread to every corner of the world if he's just limited to this one point in time, this one, this one uh, space uh, where in, in that time in history? Mm-hmm. So, you know, as God's constructing this plan of our salvation— he decided to call 12 men. And those 12 men were to be his, his face, to act in his person with his authority. Right? He, t- he tells the apostles specifically with the Eucharist, do this in memory of me. He tells them after the resurrection, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Well, does it just stop there with the apostles? No. See, the apostles went and ordained other apostles, like Paul and Barnabas. Then they went and ordained other apostles, successors to the apostles to do that ministry, who ordained other successors, who ordained other bishops, who ordained other bishops, who ordained Bishop Gaynor, who ordained me here in Harrisburg. So the, the joy that of, of the priesthood is that Jesus Christ is present in the Diocese of Harrisburg, 2,000 years away from Jesus Christ. And that through that succession of laying on of the hands, from ordination to ordination to ordination, we are assured that we have the same authority that Jesus Christ gave to the apostles to do the amazing things that Jesus Christ promised that he would do. Wonderful. Now, Father, I, I know... Um you mentioned right when we began that there's uh, kind of the the three levels of holy orders or three different forms, whether it's um, a bishop, a priest, or a deacon. So how are the deacons' holy orders, how are their promises maybe different from what priests and bishops uh, take during their orders? Absolutely. The So each of the orders kind of has a specific nuance to it. We have the, the deacons. That's the first order of, of holy orders that, that a man would enter into. Uh, and, and the deacon is conformed to Christ the servant. So we see that in Acts of the Apostles. The apostles are trying to do this ministry and be priests, but at the same time, they're also trying to do this work feeding the poor, tending to the, to the widows, going out to the sick. Well, as we know today, having uh, you know, not enough priests to do everything, that sounds you know, a little similar to you know, what, we, what we struggle with today. Under the direction of the Holy Spirit and under the formation of Christ himself, they called deacons to help serve, to serve Christ. The, the charism of the deacon is going out to the sick, going out to the homebound, going out to the, to the hospitals, serving the poor as well as the sacraments that are entrusted to them, for example, in distribution of communion, mm. not, not consecrating, that's the, uh, the, the, the Eucharist, that is, that is a priestly duty, okay. but they can witness marriages 
they can they can go out and and uh, be ordinary ministers of baptism. You can be baptized by Deacon Joe at St. John's, and it's just as valid and proper as it is if the Pope himself showed up and did that baptism. And and the deacons also enter into preaching. We see that with you know Philip going out and preaching. So the deacons are ordered to that life of service. The different orders of holy orders are not like you know once you become a priest you stop being a deacon. No, oh, okay. they're they're like kind of nested inside of each mm-hmm. other, uh, like a holy version of one of those, you know, German doll things that, you know, you keep taking mm-hmm. the, the, the smaller right. one inside, right? So the next order then is the presbyterate, which we commonly call the priests. And the priests uh, serve under the bishop. The deacons uh, assist the bishop and the, and the priests in their duties. When a man is ordained as a priest, he is ordained to be configured to Christ the head. In this body of Christ image of the church, Christ is the head, the church is the body. Mm-hmm. This man is called, in a sense, out of the body, still part of the body of Christ, but he's conformed to Christ the head so that he can act in the person of Christ back to the body itself. Mm-hmm. So for example, how do we see that and what exactly is, is does that mean at the consecration at Mass? I don't get up and say, this is Jesus's body. I get up and stand in the person of Jesus Christ, the head, and say, as he commanded, this is my body. There's not a, a, a priesthood of Josh Cavender. There's not a, a priesthood of, of Bishop Gaynor. There's not a priesthood of, insert priest name here. There's only one priesthood of Jesus Christ. And each of the men that are called are conformed to Christ so that he can act through them and be present right here. Like I don't say Jesus forgives you of your sin, from your sins in, in the sacrament of confession. It's with the authority of Christ acting through me that I say, I absolve you from your sins. Mm-hmm. It's the action of Christ directly into the world through the person of the priest. Of course, that's, okay, deacons, priests, and then we get bishops. The bishop is also priest, but he is the he is the chief priest, the high priest in a sense. Well, Christ is the high priest, but the, the bishop is the, the chief priest, the chief shepherd, and he is entrusted with an area. So just as uh, Peter was like the bishop of Rome, and you know the pope then mm-hmm. is the successor of the bishop of Rome, who is Peter. Each of the apostles had an area that they attended to, as and that, that area has been come to be known as a diocese. Mm-hmm. So Bishop Gaynor is not simply the big important priest in the area who happens to be here. No, the Diocese of Harrisburg is an area controlled by a successor of the apostles. This area has been entrusted to him by Jesus Christ as one of the apostles. So the priest, you know, like, you know, Bishop Gaynor could not get to all of the, all of the churches to do his priestly duties, right? That's kind of like the, the issue with Jesus Christ. If everybody in Harrisburg, uh, in the Diocese of Harrisburg, had to drive to, to the cathedral every single Sunday, that would be kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. So the priests assist the bishop in his priestly ministry, but the bishop, as a successor of the apostles, brings that ministry of Christ and founds the linchpin of all of Christ's ministry here in the diocese. It's only to the bishop that is entrusted the actual sacrament of holy orders from the moment that you know, the oil was poured on his head and the prayers of consecration prayed over him by another bishop. Priests aren't entrusted with that. You know, it's only the bishops as successors okay. of the apostles that are entrusted with governing 
the, the full diocese to ordain new men to the priesthood. So we see this, these three orders then of, of bishops, priests, and deacons ordered towards making sure that Christ is made present. Here in the Diocese of Harrisburg, the glory of, of holy orders is that Jesus Christ is present here. That, that you know, we talked about how amazing it is with the, with the Eucharist, that Jesus has a home in the Diocese of Harrisburg. Everywhere there's a tabernacle, Jesus has a dwelling place. Mm-hmm. But that's only made possible because of the priests that Jesus ordained. And we have now passed along that ordination to 2019. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, now, Father, I know, um, you know, before we wrap up here, what was your ordination like? I mean, that, that moment when, you know, Bishop placed his hands on you and, and said that the prayer of consecration, what did you feel in that moment? I think you might experience this in, in a marriage where you completely lay down your life for your spouse. Just like when a spouse says, I am no longer mine, but yours, and you are no longer yours, but mine. It is a complete laying down of your life for the other person. Mm -hmm. So there's this exhilarating uh, self-gift to give yourself away completely and totally. It's not just this, like a graduation. There's an excitement at a graduation. It's so much more than simply, you know, graduating after four years of college and then my, I had my six years of seminary after that. So 10 years of higher academics, yes, it was wonderful <laughs> to, to complete all that, but that to start that journey of the priesthood itself, that complete gift of myself to Christ and then allowing Christ to work through me in this new, profound, sacramental way it's really beyond words. I don't know how else to describe that. It's, um, uh, it's nerve-wracking. It's exhilarating. It's, uh, you know, sure, it's, uh, there's, there's, there's difficulties, like, you know, with any other uh, vocation. There's deep joy. But one of the things I think that, that hit me the most was, this is what Christ called me to be. Like, the, the puzzle pieces mm-hmm. of life fell into place. You know, as I, as I was discerning that, you know, there was this, um, this waiting, this longing to serve Jesus Christ in this way. And then it finally started. And it was amazing. It still is amazing. To be able to, I think we talked about this in, in the Eucharist podcast, but the reality of standing at the altar every day, saying a few simple words, and then suddenly bread becomes the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there holding him in your hands. It's pretty hard to beat that <laughs> in terms of like, you know, what did you do today? Well, I, uh, I, I said a few simple words and then I was holding the God of the universe in my hands and then I consumed him and he became a, a part of me and I became a part of him uh, profoundly. That is a gift that, is, that I cherish every single day. It is, a, it is a beautiful and wonderful gift. And I don't know why he called me. I don't know why he, he made me to be this way. But I know that he did, and it's been it's been glorious, and I thank God for it every day. Okay, so Father, um, you know this has certainly been a, a challenging year for the church, and uh, I know we've received a couple questions here at the diocese from our parishioners on if their priest was one of those on the list who was an abuser, or maybe. Um, he was an alcoholic, or, or maybe he really led a very sinful life. Would the sacraments they received from that man, are they still valid? Do they still count? I can say emphatically, 
Yes. And, and I think we talked about this in the, the first episode with sacraments in general. For the sake of the people of God, as Christ was forming the sacraments, as long as the matter and the form of the sacraments that those priests celebrate are met, that sacrament happened. Uh, let's say, you know, we've, we've uh, you know, many of us have been affected failings great and small of a priest, whether he was, uh, you know, an, an abuser, whether he was just a crotchety old mean priest, whatever it was, you know, whatever that scale is. If I went to him for confession, and at the end of that confession, he said, I absolve you from your sins, those sins are forgiven. Because the priest is sinful does not change the authority that's been entrusted to him by Jesus Christ. He still acts with the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, the flip side of that is, does that mean that the priest can just go out and do it every once and everything's fine? No, absolutely not. One of those um, lines of scripture that is very daunting, is very challenging, uh, that Christ says, I believe in, in, in Luke 12, to those who has been entrusted much, much will be demanded of them. So there's a scale of uh, the more authority, the more you've been entrusted with, the higher the standard that Jesus will judge you by. Well, in priesthood, we're being entrusted with the seven most powerful forces in nature. Having, baptizing somebody is a greater act than the whole act of creation itself. Mm. Having Jesus Christ be made present on the altar at a mass is the full saving mysteries of the cross being made present. Christ is being born into the world, so it's as if the Christmas morning in the, the year like zero is happening right before our eyes. Like we're defying space and time by how these sacraments are being celebrated. So the power that is being entrusted in that moment is immense. So what is going to be demanded of that priest, of that bishop, of that deacon, when he comes before Jesus Christ and says, I entrusted you with the saving powers of the universe. What did you do with them? And at that point, your entire life is laid bare. There's no sugarcoating. Mm -hmm. There's no like trying to sweet talk your way around Jesus in judgment. There is the blatant facts down to the, the very core of your heart is laid bare before you. Striving for holiness in the priesthood is absolutely essential. The sacraments will still happen, but when it comes down to particular judgment, when you stand before Jesus Christ as his priest, you have to give an account for how you lived. What does that look like if you have to say, I was on that list? Or, I was a mean, old, crotchety priest who chased people away from the faith. Like, well, good luck. <laughs> you know, not to put a too fine a point on it, like that's, I would never in, for, for any reason, want to be in that situation. And, and that is a horrible situation to be in. To answer your question in a nice little succinct way, the sacraments absolutely worked, but we need priests that strive for holiness because so much has been entrusted from Jesus Christ to those in holy orders in order to, to bring about the saving mysteries of the universe. Uh, so, But we can be assured that the sacraments absolutely did happen as long as that matter and form were met. 
Well, thank you, Father. I, I think that's that's really going to help to set uh, a lot of our, you know, parishioners' minds at ease who maybe, you know, they did have a, a pastor who was on the list of, of abusers. So I think that's really going to help them to be reassured that their marriage is valid, their, their children's baptisms are valid, um, and the other sacraments that they've received are valid. Well, Father, thank you for, for joining us yet again. We're going to wrap this, this podcast up. You've been listening to Why Do Catholics, a production of the Diocese of Harrisburg. We'll see you next time.